This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Jabroni, J-A-B-R-O-N-I-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter, you spell Jabroni. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Two Jabronis with a Wrestling podcast bj cruz here with my tag team partner the man currently working on his second wine cooler as we get into this episode the incomparable jeremy loss jay what's up dude it's a wine seltzer not a wine cooler make sure you cover up cover up that label they're not paying us so uh we we don't want (laughs) to give out free advertising here on the podcast uh (laughs) we are of course brought to you by uh, the best podcast network in the entire world blue wire and our friends over at bet online Dot A-G. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy, leave a review. And uh, I, I want to try to catch up to the Blue Wire wrestling leader. I'm going to call him that. Chris Van Vliet. He has over a thousand five-star reviews. We are We've got some Don't catching up to do, people. <laughs> Look, if we get to four hundred, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the white claw chug that Jeremy did when we got to two hundred. So that's I think the uh the first goal is to get us to four hundred and then we'll slowly catch up to C V V. I think that's more than yeah, fair. We'll, we'll get there, we'll pass him. Yeah. That's uh that's I think we'll, that's the new the goal. The place we're never gonna pass him because he's the god on it is YouTube. But he is you could subscribe yeah. to our YouTube channel, hit the red button right around here subscribe like that's at two jabronis with a wrestling podcast um you can follow us on instagram and on twitter at two jabronis pod and you can follow us on you can follow me on twitter at jeremy a loss and you can follow ben at cruise control that's control with a k i'm working through some youtube video issues at the moment not youtube actually it's it's something with uh the software that i'm using to cut up these videos so uh appreciate your patience just bear with us We'll, we'll 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 get back going on there pretty soon um, and so it's, uh, it was, it was an incredible Wednesday of wrestling and it's obviously it's Friday night, uh, it's, you know, whenever, when we usually record the second show of the week and we've been putting this off and it's now time for Jeremy, I'm going to let you introduce it because you're the one who named it before we came on the air. So, but hold on, wait a second. I'm going through our, our reviews. Did you know that we got bashed for being too political? Did we really? Yes. Nice. 
I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, didn't know we talked about that. But anyway. I, I mean, whatever. I mean, and fuck Trump. And, I yeah, mean, if you <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, I don't want to alienate users or followers, but like, if 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 you voted for Trump or you're a Trump person, just don't listen to our podcasts. Right. And we don't openly yeah. bash anyone, but like, I guess if you get that one, I think that means they're listening to the end of the show, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's on them. And uh, if you if you took time to write out that on our pod of of, of all the wrestling pods that we're too political, uh, I've got some bad news for you, my friend. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, you won't find many friends on any other podcast uh, wrestling podcast. Period. So I mean, I've taken my I've taken my uh, my cues from Shea Serrano when it comes to blocking yeah, people. Like absolutely. if I see anybody just like. Uh, well, we do- kind of praising Trump on my timeline or anything. It's like an instant block. So, um, hey, Shea Serrano is a uh, best-selling author. Has a, like a kajillion followers on Twitter. He's doing it right. He's a legend. And- he's he's figured it all out. And uh, that aside, I'm not going to let that one stupid ass review <laughs> deter me. At I least mean, it was a one star. At least he was like, I oh, hate he was guys completely. Like that's fine. Hey, I'm I'm with that. I respect that guy more than the two star guy. So uh, with that, that's in God. He deterred me from my fantastic intro, but I'm going to throw it back to you. I'm sorry. I had to to let you know because I'm going to I'm going to alley oop it back to you. And I want you to introduce the name of our first half awards. So go ahead and then I'll I'll throw it to the main event. It's the Jabroni Awards or the Jabrones. Yeah, there it is. The Jabroni (laughs) Awards, the first annual first half jabroni awards or the jabrones and with all that so many qualifiers to this one <laughs> right we're uh that that's the uh recipe for a successful award show it is now time for the main event, to the main event. and for this week's main event it is the first ever first annual first half awards the otherwise known as the jabroni awards aka the jabrones jay since you named the awards ceremony i guess we could call it i'm gonna let you introduce each category and i'm gonna let you go first with uh with each of you what you have named as your winner of that award so why don't you go ahead and start that's so kind of you also we did dress up for the event we're both wearing just oh we did jerseys we just we decided on on jerseys so you know yeah i mean maybe maybe for the full year awards we'll wear like the tuxedo shirts oh no full tuxedos <laughs> yeah, I pants, mean, yeah, pants included. I don't care if they can't see our bottom halves. Full tuxes and uh, quaffed haircuts. I don't know. Okay, our, our bar- we'll make a deal. Yeah, like, yeah. Because right now it's way too hot to wear that stuff. Like it's a hundred degrees. Oh no, yeah. Maybe at the end of the year it'll be colder and we can. Uh, I can stomach a blazer. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna kick off the jabronis. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six categories. We have wrestler of the year, match yep. of the year, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, biggest or best storyline, and what we're looking forward to the most in the back half of 2020. So let's kick this off with our first half wrestler of the year. Now to me, this seems obvious after Wednesday night. Oh, it's Keith Lee. There we go. That's a great start. Like Adam Knopfler picked him first in our draft. That is a great start to this award ceremony so talk us through it it's it's obvious at this I mean, point it's, it's super obvious 
I mean, it started in at the back half of 2019 with Survivor Series with um, his matches with Dominic Dijakovic, but it kind of it transferred over to 2020. He had that massive moment in summer or in in the Royal Rumble against Brock. It really kind of took him to the next level, and then in NXT, just continued to evolve and continued to be a main event player. He won the NXT uh, North American title, and then obviously on Wednesday he had the moment where he is now the first double champ in NXT. Huge, um, huge. He moment. has quickly become a the star of NXT, surpassing Adam Cole to the point now. I think Adam Cole is gone. So this is this is on Keith Lee. This is Keith Lee's show to run for the rest of 2020. Let's see if he can do it. I firmly believe he can because he's an incredible worker. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a ton of fan support. So I think it's it's pretty obvious that he is the wrestler of the year for 2020. I would say right behind him is Bailey. I think what Bailey has done has been incredible. So I want to know who you picked. Okay. So you left me a couple of good options since you took Keith Lee. And I've decided that my wrestler of the year, first half of the year anyway, I award my jabroni to one Drew McIntyre. Oh, uh, you took the chicken shit way. No, but look, if you deserve an award, why wouldn't I give it to you? Right? Look, you gave it to Keith Lee. He absolutely deserves it. Drew has been doing incredible work. Just because there's no, there hasn't been an audience there for his coronation to be the guy, I don't think that's fair to him. To just say, like, you know, he doesn't deserve this award. Like, look, his, first of all, his conversion from, like, a basic, almost like a chicken shit heel to a face organically was mm-hmm. one of the more underrated things I don't think we talk about enough. Or just wrestling fans and t- wrestling t- wrestling Twitter in general. Because when he first started, like, that countdown thing, right, like, to the yeah. countdown to the Claymore kick, it kind of started off in, like, a heel-ish manner. Right, where you're like, oh, this guy's a jackass. Like he's counting down <laughs> the seconds until he like kicks this dude in the face, and then all of a sudden, and I don't know if it was because of kind of the buzz that was around him that you know he was going to be the next guy, that things just kind of turned, and it happened so organically and so beautifully that he he deserves a lot of love, and he pulled it off. Right, like he had his moment at the Rumble, and then the lead up to his match with Brock was fantastic. It was phenomenal. Like he did, he hit all the marks. He did everything right. And all of a sudden everyone is rooting for this guy to be the next guy. And that's really, really hard to do um, at least organically in, in my opinion. And he's now had this run so far as the defending champion where, you know, he's, he's been very, very good. Like they've, they've kind of, I was talking about this with Louie, when he came on the show and that I hope that the only fix that I would make for, for Drew is that they establish some sort of long-term feud, right? Cause he's kind of yeah. had like a smorgasbord of challengers since he became champion. And that's fine. Like they've had to adjust because of everything with no audience and, and you know, <laughs> that's actually the biggest thing, uh, not being able to use any uh, venue other than the PC and, uh, and full sale. But, he, I think he's done an, an incredible job, and he's when crowds come back, I think he's just he's still going to be as over as he was early on, and I think that's that's really really hard to say because even like looking back to last year, 
And obviously they didn't do this all that well, but when, you know, Seth and Kofi won the title at Mania, it was around this time that the buzz around them started to sour a little bit. Yeah. And that hasn't happened to Drew yet. And and maybe that is the benefit of no audience at this point. But even just watching his work, watching the stories that he's telling with each individual challenger, you're kind of bought in. Like even Lashley, that's the most interested I've been in Bobby Lashley in a really, really long time. And yeah, he helped I, make that happen. Yeah, I think he needs that. He needs that blood feud that's really going to take his character to the next level. Right. Like you said, like he can't just continue to jump from um, second rate kind of feuds. Like he has to have a main feud, something that we can kind of look and sink our teeth into for months on end. Hopefully that comes back when when crowds come back. So we'll see. Um, who did you have kind of on your list of other superstars that could potentially be wrestler of the year? You know, I, I, I try to include some AEW people in my thoughts just because if uh, if we didn't, we might get another two and a half star review <laughs> whatever it was uh i did have mox on my list i think he's been incredible yeah. i had jericho on there as well i think jericho has just been as good if not better than when he was champion when he was AEW champion like he's just kind of maintained and he's evolved again which is really really hard yep. to do so th- those are the other guys on my short list but ultimately i just kind of had to go with drew because i think he at this point is a little underrated which is a little strange to say and uh i I think he just deserves if you were going to take keith lee who was also on my board but i wasn't going to repeat your pick uh and you also threw out bailey which kind of threw her out (laughs) so uh, (laughs) i i went with uh with my guy drew i really like the chris jericho option because like you said he's kind of evolved in this covid era he has become somebody that is putting he's putting talent over like obviously he put orange uh orange cassidy over but he's also doing it on in the booth. Like he is yeah. showcasing a skill set that not a lot of people have and becoming relevant when he's not even in the ring. So I think Chris Jericho is an excellent option. Um I also think I he think does a he does a great job of putting them over even off screen, right? Like he'll have them on his podcast. He had Matt Hardy on. He's just really good with the timing on there. Obviously, mm-hmm. with accessibility, uh, that is a little bit easier on his end, and he's one of the most famous wrestlers in the history of the game. So why wouldn't you want to go on a spot? But I think him using those two avenues specifically, the podcasting and the, his time in the booth has also been next level and stuff that other people aren't doing. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear my kids screaming in the background. She's apparently like losing her mind. Oh, it's all um, good. She probably read the, uh, the one star review. Finally. <laughs> I mean, she's probably pissed. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to match of the year. Now there were some some actual like contenders on Wednesday with that eight man with the Adam Cole. Oh my god! Yeah, but um, going through my list and trying to just go back through the year, there was a lot of options here. But I picked Young Bucks versus Omega and Page at oh, Revolution. Hello, that match is like still this. one of the greatest tag matches I've ever seen. And then we also had that storyline where we were one hundred percent thinking Page is turning. The page turn. Yep, they win. They tease the turn and it doesn't happen. That's that match from a storytelling perspective, from an in-ring work perspective, um, from a lead up to a um, a post-match angle. Like everything about it was perfect. I loved every second of it. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my go-to, and it's great to see that a tag team match is considered like match of the year. I think that's a kind of a testament to what AEW and what they've been right. 
investing in since they've started. So Page and Omega versus Bucks is my pick. That's a great call. And I mean, look, when, when WWE was the only show in town, there was no way in hell. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. That's that's kind of disrespectful, like New Japan and, and Ring of Honor and all these other indies uh, that are that are also there. But there was no way in hell in the past couple of years we're picking any type of tag match in WWE as match of the year, right? Unless it's like a crazy ladder match. Even then, you're not you're you're not picking that because there's just so many other individual matches that they tend to highlight that you would put above them. So, like you said, it's just a testament to the work and the time that AEW is putting into their tag team division. That's a great pick. I I, I really really like that. Uh, my match of the year so far is going to be, and it's because I've watched it multiple times, and it might be just ingrained in my brain. I might be brainwashed. I don't know. Uh, is that political? Who knows? Uh, it, it is the the Boneyard match from WrestleMania on my 36. List. On my list. It, dude, I've seen this thing multiple times now. And every time, like the first time, li- literally like a cartoon jaw dropped, right? You just the whole time you're like, because the lead up to it, kind of the opposite of what I was saying with kind of Drew and his lead up to his coronation as champion. That was a great lead up. The lead up to the Boneyard match, a little confusing, right? You're like, the whole time you're wondering, what the hell's a Boneyard match? Yep. Uh, obviously, they I think, try- I think I remember you and I talking about it going in, saying this could be the worst match of the weekend. Right. Like, this could be awful. Easily. So maybe that helped it. Maybe that helped that the bar was so low from you, me, all wrestling fans across the board. Because obviously, Taker also wasn't coming off... Like it's not like he was coming in from a five star match performance, right? You're just kind of wondering is Taker on his last legs? Um, AJ, is this the right match for him? Th- when I started to feel like it was going to be good was when they put it last on night one. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're th- they must feel they believe in this good yeah. about this, and then it plays out. My wife, this was the first cinematic match she'd ever seen. She was watching with me, and. Again, whole time, my mouth is agape, just jaw to the floor because I am blown away. Like it is it is incredible uh, when Taker cuts his elbow on the glass and he <laughs> he curses at it and he's so mad, which, by the way, was real. If you watch the, if you watch the last ride, that wasn't supposed to happen. That, that was uh, just an accident. And they added it to the match because it played well. But everything just that is. The storytelling in that match, which I also think kind of goes under highlighted these days uh, in terms of like match quality, because you're kind of just looking for are they hitting their moves? Uh, you know, no botches like those. These are the check marks that we are now kind of going by. And storytelling has yep. kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, which is why a side note, I loved the the Keith Lee Adam Cole match on Wednesday was because, yo, they they were doing their thing in the ring, right? killing it individually but the storytelling that they were also doing was phenomenal so which takes me back to the boneyard match obviously look when you and i've talked about this a lot cinematic matches wrestling in general you have to suspend your your disbelief right because a lot of that stuff you know for is it legal for these two gentlemen to be fighting in an abandoned graveyard not sure do they have permits for this I'm pretty sure Taker at the <laughs> yeah, end. Permits. I'm pretty sure Taker at the end 
committed like an attempted murder. <laughs> he like buried committed alive homicide. another I human mean, being. Killed him. So that aside, everything from like, uh, I think Taker explained it in the doc that he was combining all three aspects of himself, which when you watch mm-hmm. it multiple times, you see that, right? It's, it's Undertaker, American Badass, and Mark Calloway. And it's all there. It's, it's all phenomenal. The inclusion of the Druids, which are you know an Undertaker staple. Obviously, they were working against him in this match, which was a little confusing. But that aside, the inclusion of um, Gals and Anderson, I thought was was really well done. And then they had like my favorite Undertaker moment, where you know AJ knocks him into um, the grave, goes up to the tractor to bury him, and then through undertaker osmosis magic i don't know what the hell it is pops up behind him and which goes to something you said on wednesday talking about um wwe's camera work at times is just phenomenal that was one of those Mm -hmm. times where they just kind of caught and obviously it was you know it was pre-shot so they probably did this a couple times but just having him pop up and then you know that was the end of the match they haven't they have an excellent eye for production. It's just sometimes they get they get a little carried away with cuts to the crowd. Right, right, right. But when it comes to just overall production and knowing what they want to portray within a shot, sure, they have an excellent eye for that. And that that shot is actually something I was going to call out as well because I thought that was one of the moments in the match where um, I was laughing throughout the match, but it wasn't like laughing at it. It was just laughing because I was enjoying it so much. Like I was enjoying the absurdity of it because that match is absurd. It is. It is. It is two, extremely absurd. Like two elderly wrestlers slugging it out in a graveyard, talking shit to each other the entire time. And it is so enjoyable to watch. Like like you said, we went in thinking this was going to be a complete train wreck and it blew us away to the point now where I think WWE is kind of leaning in maybe a little bit too much in the cinematic matches and trying to get a little bit too much out of them. Sure. I think Vince got he got uh, a little too happy. <laughs> yeah, like if you look at the Money in the Bank match, like the Money in the Bank match did not need to be cinematic. Neither did the Adam Cole Velveteen Dream match. I think this one just they realized what the limitations they had presented to them with Taker, and they were like, okay, we can work around this. And then you had a partner in AJ Styles willing to buy into everything and just go full bore. And I think it really showed that like if they put a lot of effort into it, a lot of thought. Um, they can really produce a product that is really enjoyable and basically like a movie, like a B-rated movie. Like this was so fun to watch that like going into night two, I was on a high. So oh, a thousand percent. I, I love that pick for Boneyard. I also had Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic at NXT Portland. Great match. Um, just two big hosses slapping meat. Like who, <laughs> who doesn't love that? Like I know you, we know you do. Oh, I love it. They were doing some wild shit, too. Yeah, it was um, a great match. I also had Adam Cole versus uh, Champa and the triple threat women's match at In Your House, EO, Charlotte, and Rhea. That was a great match. In part because I just really loved the coordination of EO at that point. Yes. But I think we've we've been spoiled in 2020 with some pretty solid matches considering the circumstances that we're in. So, I mean, going forward, I think there's a lot of opportunities for even, like, more matches that are going to be like mind blowing. I think Bucks versus FTR when that thing happens is going to be uh, it's going to be crazy. Legendary. It's going to so, be crazy. Yeah. Um let's move on to biggest surprise. This one I think we may have the same pick here. And if we don't have the same pick then I'm going to be a little suspect. Okay. Um it's Edge's return. Oh. 
Like, how is that not the biggest surprise? Well, yeah. I mean, it's up there for me. It's not my pick because I refuse to there's agree a lot with of, you. There's a lot of options it's, here. I think that's like my 1A. How about that? Because that was on my list. I just didn't know if you'd pick it. So, I was a fucking kid in a candy store when I heard. That was crazy. Me. I've never popped like that before. Um, and I wasn't a massive Edge fan when, when I was a kid. I actually kind of hated him. But now seeing him come through after. You hated Edge? Away, yeah. Well, during his heel run or during yeah, the during face heel run? run. Oh, okay. Like, I just That's wasn't, fair. I just wasn't a fan. He's doing great work. Uh, he was doing he his was job. He was doing great work. Yeah. He, he was getting me to hate him. So, I mean, he did great work as a heel. But, um, I mean, when when that music hit, the emotion that you saw, I actually watched his his documentary shortly after. It was as fantastic. Well, yeah. I got emotional. And, like, I just, I haven't felt that way about wrestling in a very long time. Sure. It hit me deep in my core. So, um that's going to be up there for an all time moment for me. I think, I think just seeing the crowd reaction too, because it was like one of the, the last events that we had a large crowd. That was also the night Kobe died. I was just really a wreck. That was, and uh, like, yeah. And just seeing edge come back and seeing the emotion in his eyes. I was just, I was feeling it. So for me, edges return is the best surprise. The biggest surprise of 2020. His face is something I'll remember forever because right. I mean, <laughs> kind of going back to, this is another camera work comments wwe kind of dropped the ball on that one it got a little weird edges music yep. hits they like cut away they missed him running out they missed his first spear which was super yeah. weird i mean they've re-edited it since then so then now that at least the spear is in there but no his face just coming out of the smoke after his initial run to the sides is something that i think i'll remember forever as a wrestling fan because that's just someone who you could just see it nine years he never thought this was possible. And I'm sure there was a part of him also that was when he decided to come back, he was doing his training, as we saw in the doc that WWE produced. Are people going to react? Are people going to care? Right? Because a lot of mm-hmm. legends have come back in the Royal Rumble over the course of the past few years. And some have gotten great pops. Some have gotten kind of lukewarm ones where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, and I'm sure as a performer, he's. You know, as as it gets closer, you, he, he's kind of wondering, is he going to get that pop? And I think once he got that massive, massive pop, which is easily probably the pop of the year, uh, yeah, by the way, which we should make an award category at the end of the year. But and so his face, it, like you said, I, I don't get emotional much watching wrestling anymore just because I'm so jaded. <laughs> I feel like I've seen everything. That was just a pure human moment where yep. I really felt like I was living that with Edge and he really brought us in and then he just, you know, he he shined in the actual match and, and the, you know, thereafter. So great pick, great pick by you. That is not my pick for biggest surprise. Um, my biggest surprise is a combination of actually two matches. It's the combination of the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match because okay. to me... As we were, like, WrestleMania, it was the first WrestleMania in history without a crowd, right? And you're, we are already, as we talked about with the Boneyard match, we are kind of already going into this whole pay-per-view with a little bit, with not a little bit, with very, very low expectations, right? How is this going to mm-hmm. work? This is, you know, a lot of WrestleMania's moments, not to sound too Michael Cole, are based off of the audience reaction. 
right? That that's what makes yep. those WrestleMania moments so huge. And Boneyard match obviously set the table for the Firefly Funhouse match. But you and I watched the Firefly Funhouse match together through Zoom. Like I, I still have the video of us reacting to it. We were losing our goddamn minds the entire <laughs> match. And it wasn't really even a wrestling match. It was no, like it, wasn't a match at all. it was like a greatest hits compilation of Cena's career. And but they hit everything that as a wrestling fan, you just get all these references and you get mm-hmm. it was almost a, like the most symbolic passing of the torch. That was a yeah. little confusing if you're a non-wrestling fan, but it was done. So the combination of these two cinematic matches and the way that they just kind of delivered on WWE's biggest night was so surprising to me. Like I, you know, there've been post WrestleManias where I'm thinking like, man, that was, that was a long seven hours, five hours. I don't know if I can uh, function the rest of the night. And at the end of each night, I left, like with praise, with nothing but praise for WWE, and and that's not that hasn't been the case over the past couple of years. Like even when Becky finally got her crowning moment, you know, at the end of thirty five, you're like, man, that was a weird ending. Like why, you know, weird she, ending, and it was seven hours, it was seven hours, we were drained. Yeah. So, and and she she probably deserved better. Like it was awesome because you know they were main eventing. It was the first women's match to main event a, a WrestleMania, but then it was still at the end of it. You're like, why did they end it that way? With these two matches, again, maybe the low bar helped. Maybe maybe that's a caveat that we have to talk about when we kind of revisit this yeah. in a couple of years. But man, that, that was the biggest surprise to me was that we enjoyed both those matches as much as we did. And yeah. all of wrestling Twitter in general, because as we know, wrestling, the wrestling internet is a very, very fickle <laughs> place to be. Right, like they are waiting yeah. to hate something, and they love to hate stuff. This, these two matches easily could have been hated by the masses, and it was just the opposite. So that was that's why it was the biggest surprise. Yeah, I think the low bar definitely helps, but they, I mean, they really blew it out of the water with both of these. I mean, I mean, and they're polar opposites when it comes to actual matches. Like, yeah, Boneyard match is a is a fight. It is a street fight in a graveyard. The Firefly Funhouse match is a fucking acid trip. That is one hundred percent what it is. It's a five to seven minute fucking acid trip um and they're both thoroughly enjoyable and they both do the job of what they needed to be done what needed to be done i think what has happened now is that WWE saw the return on those in terms of the reaction and they kind of double down to the sense of like they're starting to do cinematic matches when there doesn't need to be a cinematic match whether it's um the money in the bank match the final beat the cold dream match like those matches don't need to be don't need to be cinematic. We're gonna see some. We're gonna see a lot at Extreme Rules. It feels like. Yeah, we're gonna see a fucking Wyatt Swamp match, whatever the fuck that means. No so, idea. Like, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of misses when it comes to cinematic matches, but at least for these two, they really hit it out of the park. And that was another surprise that I had on my others list was just the kind of rise of cinematic matches. I also had some pretty obvious ones. I had Becky's pregnancy because that was a shocker. Right. I had Charlotte Charlotte being Rita Charlotte beating Rhea at Mania because nobody expected that. And it's true. It really makes no sense at all. And then I had Drake Mavericks resigning because I thought that was really interesting. Um that he was the lone person to come back after the, the massive layoffs. So let's move into 
something that I mean, we like to shit on things sometimes. So let's get into the biggest disappointment. This one isn't for me. It's not a match. It's not a match. It's not a storyline. It's the overall handling of the COVID situation amongst wrestling. Okay. I think there's been a lot of errors made a lot of um, I think every company has has made some mistakes. Sure. I think obviously WWE has made the, the biggest of mistakes and, and continue to make these mistakes. But I think overall there have been some really massive errors made by everybody that don't that didn't need to be made. Um, I think there was a lot of uh, I think they just kind of rushed their their decision making. And, and I think they've mishandled a lot of things. So, and it put a lot of people in danger. So I think overall for me, the biggest disappointment has really just been overall handling of COVID within wrestling. I think after that, it's, it's edge ordinary WrestleMania. <laughs> oh yeah, that was, I mean, I can understand that for you. You built that up on the, when they first made that match, the first text you sent me was that's going to be the main event. <laughs> and obviously yeah. this is still when crowds are still there and it was going to be a one nighter. But no, I feel you on the Edge Orton thing because that was a 40 minute. It's not my pick, but just kind of remembering it. It was just a 40 minute slog and unfortunate. Uh, and just kind of to double back on your point about the COVID situation with wrestling. And I mean, that's that's a great call by you is, I mean, well, I guess am I going to get political? I don't know. I think we just this is just the handling of the COVID by us as a country has just been shitty. Right, like it's been awful. And as an example of that, to to bring this back to wrestling, you know who's going to have fans back in the arena soon? New Japan, because Japan kind of contained it, or like they did their thing to make sure that it was, you know, what it, it didn't spread the way that it has here. Right? It's been a mm-hmm. it's been a goddamn train wreck. Like, let's just be honest. We're, I mean, right? Like, we're we're, we're going to be back in shelter in place pretty goddamn yeah, soon. We're hitting record numbers in states. Uh, on a daily basis. And I think it just goes to show that when you don't have the leadership needed in, in positions uh, of leadership, like you have issues like this, you have a massive miscommunication of what is needed to survive or to, to tamper down the spread of this virus. And it's, it's really something that could have been managed if we have the right man, if we have the right leaders in place. This could have been solved, and it shows that if you don't have those leaders in place, shit hits the fan. And now we're in a we're even a more dangerous place. So, and we were kind of we were honestly kind of headed there. Like we were actually doing okay for a while, and then people just started getting antsy, and they're like, just decided that this shit was gone because it was summer, and that they wanted to leave the house. And they decided that they wanted their fucking haircuts. Right, and guess what? Like now we have. Again, to bring this back to wrestling, we SummerSlam gonna have no audience. Yeah, uh, every I mean, Fighter Fest no audience. Uh, everything that NXT's been doing no audience, and we we maybe could have had that in a smaller capacity because obviously I don't think we think we're very very far away from massive crowds like we used to have. But man, it's it's just been a huge bummer, and we're we're putting twenty twenty one events at risk. Like we are literally like. Right, WrestleMania in LA now at risk. High, yeah, is at risk because we didn't handle things correctly, or people don't want to wear their mask. So, and it's just yeah, you and you and I had thirty-seven circled firmly. We were like, all right, cool, we miss out on you know a live thirty-six with an audience. Thirty-seven is gonna be dope. 
because hopefully we can all just collectively figure this out. And it was, you know, just simple steps to, to kind of do it. And we just couldn't do it. So I guess, you know, just to sum up, your your response to that was just kind of like, or your your pick for that, just kind of like a microcosm of just the country in general, right? Yeah. I mean, so, hey, how about that? How about that one star? Huh? Where's the camera? Hey, you hear that? We just talked about it. Give us one star again. Oh, you can't because Apple Podcasts only lets you rate things one time. Uh, screw you. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of disappointments, uh, my biggest disappointment is our one star reviewer. I'm kidding. My biggest disappointment is, uh, and it hurt me to think about this because I, I had a very visceral reaction when this happened. This is why it's my biggest disappointment. It's when Goldberg beat the fiend for the universal title. We it's on my list. <laughs> if I was trying to find the screenshots of our group chat with Knopf, with our, our two jabrones, two jabronis group chat. <laughs> and when that happened, it was fury, all caps, just to each other, just the three of us. We, we kind of held back on Twitter. I think we, we put out some like well thought out tweets, yeah. but in the group text was just fury, just pure, pure fire uh, and, and pain and agony to the fiend was so if this doesn't happen my wrestler of the year is probably the fiend if we're being honest right yeah because he he was incredible and then this just stunted all momentum all points of us taking him seriously to the point where like when Braun Strowman beat him because he played mind games I was like yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like he lost to yeah. Goldberg as the fiend. So in to, a squash match. In a squash match. Squash. You squashed literally the best organic character that you have created. Maybe since The Undertaker. I don't know. Like and again, The Rock, Stone Cold, like those are just them being themselves, right? These are this the is fiend, a character. The fiend this is, is a like character. somebody that is yeah. not a like Right, yeah. like this is not Bray Wyatt is not like this. If from everything I've heard, Bray Wyatt right. is actually a sweetheart. <laughs> so, um, and congratulations to to him and his girlfriend, wife on their on their Beyonce? new new uh, baby, Jojo. Uh, Jojo, shout out to her. Um, but this was my biggest disappointment because I still think about it, and now the domino effect of that is like you've mentioned this a lot, and I totally agree. The Universal Title, what does it mean now? When it was on The Fiend and it was on Bray Wyatt and he was cutting his promos with the belt over his shoulder like in, in the Firefly Funhouse, you're like, man, this dude's a psycho. And he's he's a badass. He's a very, very dangerous champion. And like Braun in real life is probably a badass. And But kind of like looking at him with the title, I'm like, I don't know what the title means. The title means, that title means as much as the United States Championship to me at this point. Yeah, I mean, he he's he got the belt two years too late like braun was yeah. red hot when he yeah. was supposed to get the belt and now he wasn't um and now i'm starting to think that i'm starting to see why they probably didn't want to put the belt on him because he's not that great as a champion i don't i don't, he, I don't i'm not interested in him yeah, at all yeah he honestly could have um, been though at the time he could have been yeah yeah maybe he could have been but like at least where where he is now and when they put the belt on him it's not interesting at all sure um i think it's crazy to me that they would they would squash a character that they grew so organically and that was so over 
so that they can get Goldberg versus Roman at WrestleMania when they could have done Roman versus the Fiend. And then like if Fiend loses to Roman, that's fine. I would have like, that's Roman, what I was on board with. Yes, that makes a ton of sense because not sense. only does it like it keeps the Fiend red hot to wrestle to WrestleMania, but it puts Roman way over. Yeah. Like, it finally like coordinates him him coordinates him there. So um yeah. I, I, I can't fucking comprehend that one. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Best storyline. I think there's a ton of oh, other other disappointments for me. Uh, the final beat. I really hated that, that match. I thought it was awful. It was way too long. I don't know why it was cinematic, but whatever. It ruined the end of a really legendary feud. Uh, and I also have King, uh, Cole versus Dream at, in your house. And Shayna's running raw. Shayna's run on Raw has been fucking awful. It was non-existent. She had a huge match against Becky at WrestleMania, and just Vince has soured apparently, on her for whatever Vince reason. Does not like her, which is just I super can't. weird. Why would you do that? Right I'm sure he wants. And look, first of all, let's do this in tears. One to just hate Shayna or not like her work is asinine. Like she's fantastic in the ring. She's fantastic on the mic. Uh, well, fantastic to stretch on the mic. She's good on the mic. She's good enough to be like a really, really good heel. Yeah. Also, why would you want to piss off potentially Rhonda? Right. Like that's one of her best friends. He knows Rhonda's not coming back. Well, even then, like Rhonda could easily just talk shit. Right. Like there's just I don't know why you do that. Anyway, that's I. Yeah. I, I and, in my diatribe there. And the fact that he doesn't like her just kind of like really hits home to me that what he's looking for in his female wrestlers are the women that are incredibly good looking. Like, and that's so shallow ever, and like, so dated, such a dated way is. to think. Yeah, it is. And like, I'm not trying to like bash Shayna's looks, but like, she is not a Charlotte flair. She's not a Becky. She is not a Bailey. She's not a Sasha Banks. Like she is an incredible in-ring worker. She's an incredible wrestler, incredible talent. But I fear that a lot of the reason why she is not one of Vince's favorites is because she is not a looker. Like she just does not have the same look as a Charlotte, as a Bailey, as a Becky. So um, it's fucking shallow. It sucks. Um, Maybe she goes back to NXT and starts fucking running the house there again. I don't know. But she needs to be put in a position where she has some backing because she's an incredible talent and doesn't need to be wasted like this. Absolutely. All right, um, let's let's get to some more positive things. Let's go on to the next category. Jay, what do you got? I'm I'm fired up for this one. Best storyline. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna change things up here. I'm gonna give you some nominees, and okay. then I'm gonna make my slip. Okay. My selection. So I have Rollins and Ray. I actually really like this storyline they're doing. The the payoff Omega matches. And- the payoff match for this sounds a little crazy. By the way, it's it sounds absurd, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, I have Omega and Hangman. So this is just a storyline of their potential breakup. Same with Bailey and Sasha. Sure. I think what they're they're doing storyline wise is the best thing going in the company right now. Mox and Jericho. I thought they had an excellent feud. Fantastic. And Edge versus Orton. Very good. That's actually okay. Go ahead. So my pick is Edge versus Orton because I've never been this pumped bitch. up for a Randy Orton match in my life. God damn it. That's also my pick. I'll let you, we, we, let's just talk let's, about. Let's just it. let's just talk about. Yeah, it. let's just talk about this. So we've talked about this many times in this podcast, or at least I have. Randy Orton 
sucked for the longest time. Like he was just mailing it in, just kind of coasting along. And then Edge came back and all of a sudden he became the legend killer again. He became so interesting. He was dropping fire promos. He was doing just sick, sadistic shit. He, he, he was, he concertoed Edge. He RKO'd Beth Phoenix. Like he was being, he was going back to the Viper, going back to the person that I enjoyed early on. And to see him get that fire back and then see Edge kind of re- like respond with his fire. They were building up a storyline that, I, like I said, going into WrestleMania, I was like, this is the main event. This is the best thing going. I've never been this invested in, in a storyline in a long time. Like I just, I, the storylines that were going on, I just, I was kind of like in a little bit, but this one I was fully invested in. I was like, I fucking care about this match. And then the match happened, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, and then they continued it after WrestleMania. They did the greatest match, uh, wrestling match ever. Again, wasn't the best match, but the storytelling still really good. leading up to it. Yeah. Everything was great. It really made me care about both guys. Um, and now Randy Orton is probably like a main event player on Raw again. Like he has rejuvenated his career based off of the storyline. So I, I, I have to take those into account and just say like, this is the best thing. This is the best thing that WWE has done in a long time. I mean, I don't think it was close in terms of best storyline just because they, this literally started in January and from all accounts, they probably would have milked this to SummerSlam, right? This literally yep. would have been a half year program, which would have been incredible. And that's because they did an amazing job of getting us invested in the story emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Edge's return was already a big deal. Um, the Edge and Orton had their moment in the Rumble where they, they kind of had like an R- rated RKO reunion. Edge obviously eliminated Orton, which that triggered to me. Like they were they were setting up for that feud. Like in the, when that mm-hmm. happened initially, I was like, oh, that's that's his first feud. That's dope. Like let's make it happen. But like you said, Orton felt like he was coasting over the past couple of years like he had a couple of good matches here and there but the the main thing that i think orton his stamp anyway kind of like through in wrestling circles and just kind of wrestling chatter was R- rko had become kind of a meme right like that yeah. was like the biggest thing like the out of nowhere thing like everyone always agreed that the rko was like a badass finisher like it, and it, it even made its way you know, mainstream a little bit into like when Vine was the thing um, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like all over Twitter. And that's what we knew Randy Orton as. And frankly, we probably thought he was kind of on his way out, right? Like he he had been in the business for a very, very long time. And if he he was going to go down as one of the best ever already, because he, he was very good. He was very, very good. And he's, this was just a, like, he's not necessarily redefining himself a la Chris Jericho, right? He's just, he actually cares about what he's doing again. And when Randy yeah. Orton cares about what he's doing, it's really, really hard to match in terms of, like we, we were talking about character versus who you are a little earlier with um, you know Taker, uh, Fiend, Austin, and Rock. I think Orton does a really, really good job of basically playing like Two-Face, like the Batman character, right? Where he's yep. like, the Viper side of him is just always... And you see, you saw this side a lot during this whole ordeal with with Edge, and kind of saying, uh, or like whenever he when he RKO'd Beth, or he uh, he you know he he messed up Christian, there was that side of him that that felt bad, 
He's like, shit, what did I just do? There was also the side of him that mercilessly beat the shit out of Edge on his first night on Raw back. Right. Well, like even even when he was doing that, you can see him fighting with the right. dark side. And that's that's awesome. Right. Like, yeah. That that dichotomy is 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 fantastic to watch. And f- again, for the longest time, he was just kind of that dude who just you just wait till he RKO'd someone. And he probably, yep. you know, he would have an awesome RKO every so often. Right. I still think about his RKO on Seth when Seth tried to curb stomp him and he reversed it, threw him up in the air and RKO'd him. Right, it was at Mania. Yeah. I think that's the the Mania where Seth cashed in, right at the, at the right. end of the night. Yep. So there there was stuff like that where he would have his moments, and you're like, yeah, Randy still got it. But were, did they have confidence in him to put him in a program that was really high profile? Not really. But now, if he is not Drew's next contender heading into SummerSlam, I don't know what they're doing. Like they have to strike while the iron's hot. Well, with Orton. I know he's working a little yeah. bit with uh with Andrade and um uh, and, Garza. and Garza. So, you know, that seems to be a little bit of a thing, but I really really hope that they pivot him to being Drew's next guy because that's going to make for a fantastic match. Well, maybe fantastic yeah. is a bit of a stretch, but it's going to make for a really good story into what is hopefully yeah. a really good match. Yeah. Um I think the story is going to be the best the best part of that. I, I I mean, his matches are still kind of the same, but man, when, when he is on his game and he cares about a story that you're that they're telling, he is uh, one of the best. So that's probably why he's going to be a first bout Hall of Famer because man, he is hands down. He's he's on fire right now. So let's move on to our last Jabroni Award. This is something that we're looking forward to going into the back half of 2020. So again, I'll read my nominations. Okay. Um. Uh, so I have. The Hangman and Kenny split. Okay. I'm fucking dying for that. Uh, <laughs> You've been asking for that. I feel, like you, I feel like you ask for that split every episode. Every <laughs> like time. You're just willing every it time. into existence. I, I'm going to, I'm like full on like LeVar balling it. Like I'm just going <laughs> to speak it into existence. So, um, yeah, this needs to happen. Uh, I have Orange Cassie's continued rise in, in, in AEW. Ooh, very nice. What happens with the Undisputed Era? Okay. Um, carrying crosses rise in the NXT in NXT, and Bailey and Sasha split. Okay. What is what do you got? Oh, I'm looking forward to the Bailey Sasha split because they're fucking just on fire. They're so good. I, they're so good right now. Man, they are incredible. And I think when they eventually have that moment where Sasha turns on Bailey, I think it's going to be up there with the Shield separation i think that's how well they're playing this they're dropping little hints um like subtle camera shots where you'll see sasha kind of giving bailey a a glance yeah yeah um i need this in my life i need this for the back half of 2020 just to end this year off right like i need to see these two in a massive feud and i need to see sasha win that smackdown women's title because i think that's i think it's deserving she's been awesome in this role bailey's been incredible this is the most i've ever enjoyed bailey but i think what sasha has been doing on a subtle side of things has been really really well done um i would say right underneath that is the hangman kenny split because i just love a good i love a good split. you love a good turn that's why this concerns me this this whole like backstabbing thing like a just a chair shot just to my face the for the next time we meet in person with a mask on. i mean those are the, those are some of the most iconic moments in wrestling they are they um, are 
I know that we we just we just came up on the 24th anniversary 24th anniversary of Hogan's uh, turn on WCW, and that is still considered probably the top like best turn ever. Top probably, three moments yeah. in wrestling, like yeah. And then I always think, think about Seth's turn on the Shield. Like I will never forget those moments. So the way that these both these stories are being told in separate companies, I think once these turns happen, I think we're all going to kind of remember where we were when they happened. So. Um, Give me Sasha Bailey because I think right now what they're doing in WWE is fucking second to none. And they I mean, awesome. Their their match at Takeover a few years ago is just mm-hmm. one of the one of the matches that kind of catapulted both of them into kind of superstardom, right? Like, yeah, we knew NXT was dope. We knew Bailey was dope. We knew Sasha was dope. But when they had that match, that kind of put everyone on notice that NXT. And the women's division specifically was super, super legit. And they yep. they they did that. And that, that was incredible. So I'm with you. Like the, the work that they've been doing together has been incredible. It's been amazing. Um Bailey specifically, Sasha's kind of been she's playing herself and she's playing it really, really well. Bailey's transformation has been the one to me that stood out just a little bit more. Maybe that's the Bay Area bias uh in me. But in but truthfully, like she was her character as you know the hugger was so so stale it was crazy oh, it was and awful. like they i think she just talked about this in an interview recently where you know she acknowledges like hey like the scene is the world reigns you know when they're kind of pushed into that that hardcore babyface line or that stance that works for them and and it generally was like they you know, Reigns and Cena do all like the meet and greets with like the kids and stuff like that. So that that works. Bailey, it was just kind of falling a little flat, and now she's doing some of the best work she's done since mm-hmm. she got moved up to uh, to Raw and or SmackDown, and, and it's been freaking killer. That's a great pick. Uh, I'm going with in terms of what I'm looking forward to next is what's going to happen with Adam Cole specifically, but that does kind of trickle down to the Undisputed Era and. Mm-hmm. Look, Cole had a legendary run as NXT champion, right? And and again, we talked about this on Wednesday, just the way that they kind of dealt with that ending. Like he, you know, Triple H tweets out about him uh, at the end of it. He even shook Keith Lee's hand yep. after, after, I don't know if that was on TV. I saw a picture of it on WWE's it Instagram. Um, but it's just moments like that that really signify that, yo, he's going to be moving to Raw and or SmackDown. And like Raw and or SmackDown kind of needs someone like him to just reinvigorate both brands because what he did when he first came to NXT was unreal, right? Like his pop when he yeah. comes and he super kicks Drew uh, at the end of a takeover. Was that a takeover? It was a takeover. Yep. Right? Yep. Incredible pop. In, in, in an incredible moment. To super kick someone with in jeans and dress shoes you have my respect forever, right? Like yep. that was crazy. And he's been the torchbearer for NXT for basically like, well, obviously since he's been champion, but even before that, like he was like the guy that we wanted to win the NXT title. And eventually he did win mm-hmm. it. And he was unbelievable as champion. The dream match aside, every other match that he had, every other feud that he had, you're fully invested in, you fully bought in. And what, happens next with him like I don't see him maybe necessarily winning 
either of the uh, the universal title or the WWE title like right away. I could see him contending though. Like he's he's that goddamn good. And I think um they they tested him out kind of in as the face or kind of at the top of each show during the Survivor Series runs, right? Like mm-hmm. that the the show where everyone got stuck in Saudi and you know, it's him Daniel Bryan for the NXT title, like right away, people were in. I remember being at a yeah. restaurant and I think you texted me that that match was happening. I told my wife, I was like, we got to finish up because <laughs> I got to go watch I this match. I stopped my car in a parking lot and watched that match on my phone. It's incredible. Like, that's how invested I was in that match. I, I, I think it's I think it's a really good thing to look forward to. Um, I'm hoping that Vince sees what we see in him as kind of this second coming of Shawn Michaels and books yeah. him that way um, and really backs him because I fear that if he doesn't book him that way, he can get lost in the shuffle and kind of get lost in the sure. mid card. Yeah. I'm not saying because like he uh, he doesn't have the talent because he 100% has the talent. It's just he doesn't have that look that you've kind of we've all kind of seen that Vince rides really, really hard. Those really big muscle bound guys. I think Seth Rollins in Seth Rollins is one of the like outliers in terms of the smaller guys getting a massive push. But Dan even Brian got that, but he got it after fans really kind of pushed for that. And Seth is he's super jacked, right? He's like CrossFit Jesus. So he still has that that look, if you will, that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that dude's a super impressive athlete and an, you know, and a super impressive guy in general. Yeah, like to to kind of piggyback off of that, I could see Vince rocking with Dijakovic, Dijakovic over Cole, if that makes sense, just because of the way they look, right? And yeah. yeah, like I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm saying I could see that being a way that Vince sees their two characters, just because of yeah. Dijakovic is huge. He's he's super jacked, um, and Cole, he he looks like a regular dude who just happens to be really really good at wrestling. Yeah, I mean Vince was gonna push Lars Sullivan, and he was trash and guys like ricochet and cedric alexander can't fucking sniff they're uh, a main event i think they're a main event (laughs) like it's 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 something that we've seen for years with vince he loves the big body guys he loves the big muscle bound like just jacked up dudes versus guys that can actually do incredible work in the ring so uh with a few outliers obviously there are there's some guys that have been smaller that have been excellent in ring workers i think aj styles kind of forced his hand i think daniel bryan did the same uh, and Seth Rollins, like there's smaller guys that have actually really done well, but like the majority of them are always kind of buried within the actual, sure. uh, within, within raw or SmackDown, like even Alistair Black and Andrade, um, they're not the biggest guys in the world, but they are incredible talents that were main eventing NXT and they're stuck in like mid-level storylines. So, uh, I'm hoping that they really see what they have, like see the diamond that they have in Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era, and they push those guys to the moon on the main roster because I think they deserve. They can it. make. I mean, Vince is also about making money, right? The Undisputed Era. And they sell a ton of shirts. Is yeah. going to make Vince and WWE a lot of money, right? And I mean, yeah. I'm sure the marketing department's going to get uh, on that. They're going to make them dope right. shirts. And yeah, it's going mean, to be. I'm, I'm, I'll probably buy another one. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that, that brings an end to the first ever half year Jabroni Awards. The Jabrones. The Jabrones. We will be sending out the the Jabrones to the winners via FedEx. So 
Uh, all the guys and girls need to make sure that they check their mailbox because they will get a little jabron. Yeah, we'll, we'll wipe them down with alcohol. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll you know make sure it's 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 safe for everyone receiving them. Um, but congratulations to all the winners. Um, but you know to the nominees, it's always just an honor to be nominated. And uh, I mean, we, for the jabrones, it's, it's definitely an honor. It's like right. up there with the Oscars. Yeah, it actually it is. It's Oscars jabrones like an Emmy. You know, yeah. I, I think I mean, those are the new rankings. I have to confirm just, with Nielsen ratings. We're working our way into the EGOT so that we can be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The Jagged, the Jagged would be the new one. So, right. the, yeah. But uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're getting there. So, thank you to everybody for listening. Make sure that you follow us on social. You can follow us at Two Jabronis Pod on Twitter and on Instagram and in the BR app. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. There's a red button there. So, subscribe and like that channel. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Jeremy A. Loss. I have a lot of good takes, um, so I'm an enjoyable follow. <laughs> and if you want to be, if you want to follow for some bad takes, you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. Just hit hit Jeremy with a <laughs> he hard rolls eye his roll. eyes at me. Yeah, hard <laughs> eye roll. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy or feeling that we talk too much political stuff which okay uh leave a review good or bad we, we we have that was the first review we've ever read on the air i think maybe the second anyway uh also because we read the two star we did we did because we were so i was so offended by that like the other yeah. this one is just this dude's a hater whatever the other one was just more offensive five or one stars preferably five Hit us with that one star or <laughs> hit us with that five star review excuse me uh and our spotify people uh, give us the good old follow on there as well. All right, everyone. Appreciate it as always. Hope you uh, hang your suits once you return from the jabronis uh, and the jabrones. I got we got to get used to calling it that. The you know, short form is always jabrones, better. Yeah. So it's, it's it's 2020. And uh, in the meantime, keep staying home. Keep staying safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And wear that mask. Damn it. I. God, man, wear, I get so mad when I don't see someone. Wear a mask so we can uh, all resume our regular lives sooner, sooner than later. And at always and forever, Black Lives Matter. Black right, Lives Matter, people. Thank you so much. Peace. <laughs>